Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfield. Well, we continue our series in the book of Jude today, The One True Faith, with a message entitled, Woe to Ungodly Preachers. So let's turn in our Bibles to Jude 12 to 19 as we join Dr. Newfield now. I recently read an article in the National Post in which a student was being castigated for expressing a Christian perspective in a class in one of Canada's universities. She was called into a meeting with administrators of the university, and thankfully, she had the wherewithal to push the record button on her smartphone and recorded the encounter between her and the leadership of this university. She then went to the press and played the entire encounter. What was said in the meeting was utterly appalling. It was a clear-cut case of both the suppressing of free speech on campus and of a rank and utter disdain for the Christian faith. It was a rather unsettling experience to read the recorded transcript of that encounter. I sent a copy of that transcript to a dear friend, and his response back was simply, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And of course, I couldn't concur more. And yet for Christians, the coming return of Jesus not only ends the present darkness, but as we read today's text, should be a warning for false teachers who seek to subvert the church. Now let's be clear on a point. The book of Jude is not a denunciation of secular universities or secular newspapers or of secular governments. You know, surprisingly enough, the New Testament, although birthed out of an extremely hostile environment, says very little about that. Yeah, it does say that the world is condemned, but the concern of the New Testament is for the health and the purity of the local church. And furthermore, the greatest threat to the church is not even the threat of the existence of the unredeemed in our pews. The greatest threat to the church is the existence of the unredeemed in our pulpits and in the leadership structure of the church among the teachers, board members, and influencers of the next Christian generation. Jude is an utter denunciation of the false teachers who disguise themselves as Christians. And in the section we're going to examine today, we will see that Jude calls for faithful Christians to put their hope in the second coming of Jesus. But here, the second coming of Jesus is directed in a menacing fashion. For, says Jude, he comes to execute judgments on the ungodly teachers among us. Now, does that shock you? Perhaps it shocks you to hear that kind of language. But you should know that it was not that long ago when it was quite common for Christian leaders to speak exactly in this way. Consider an old hymn that was written by John Newton. It was entitled, Day of Judgment, Day of Wonders. In one of the verses, Christians once sang, At his call the dead awaken, rise to life from earth and sea. All the powers of nature shaken, by his looks, prepare to flee. Careless sinner, what will then become of thee? You know, understand that the careless sinner who heard that song was seated in the church, not in the local bar. You know, in the past, Christians were frequently being warned both of careless sin and of false teaching. Today, we're going to be looking at Jude verses 11 to 16 and then down to verse 19. You know, it's a denunciation of false teachers. It is as strong as Jesus' denunciation of the Pharisees. So let's start by reading verses 11 to 13. Woe to them, for they have walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error 
and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts, as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. You know, the opening words, woe to them, It's a very standard biblical denunciation, and it calls to mind the final destiny of the damned. Listen, for instance, to Jesus himself as he uses those words. Matthew 11, 21 says, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! And then going on to verse 22, Jesus adds, But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And that's how biblical woes work. A woe is a note of warning of impending doom, signaling that an unrepentant city or an unrepentant false teacher or an unrepentant anybody can only expect the worst in the day of judgment. The word woe is a frightening word. But you might say, do you think it worked? Do you think the false teachers heard the woe and then turned from their sin? Well, probably not. But that's not really why the woe is given. It's given for the sake of vulnerable Christians who are vacillating. It's to remind them, stay clear of those men who, in Jude's word, constituted the damned. When you look at these men, don't listen to them. Rather, think of them as the walking damned men who have already forfeited grace, men who can only expect the sentence of condemnation before the judgment seat. If you think of these teachers in this fashion, you do well. Jude then gives us three examples of damned individuals from biblical history. The first is Cain, who murdered his brother. But you might also remember that initially, God extended grace to Cain, put a mark on him. It was a mark of protection so that no one could gain vengeance on Cain. And so if you think about that mark, well, it's plain to see that it was a mark of grace. In spite of his sin, God was offering Cain an opportunity for redemption reconciliation. But instead of seizing on that opportunity for mercy, Genesis 4 verse 16 says that that Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and then created a society of lawless, violent men who opposed the way of God. In the end, Cain was condemned both for murder, but more, for refusing the grace of God. It was an early Jewish commentary on Cain, says that Cain thought there was no judgment to come and that there would be no accounting for his wickedness. You know, if that reflects Cain's true attitude, then we have to assume that Cain looked at the grace of God and thought grace would mean that he could do whatever he pleased, and so he despised the grace of God. The second example that Jude uses is from Balaam. You know, many Bible readers have a very truncated view of Balaam. If you don't know who he was, well, he was that man in the Old Testament who had a donkey that God miraculously caused to talk. He was a prophet for hire, and in the book of Numbers, the Moabites hired him to pronounce a curse on Israel. But God prevented him, and so instead of cursing Israel, well, you remember the story, he actually blessed them. Many people not reading to the end think that must be the end of the story, but of course it's not. Having been terrorized by God from cursing Israel, Balaam devised a plot. He advised the Midianites to take their most licentious women and make them available to the Israelites. 
I mean, these were essentially nothing more than prostitutes who were, who were being paid to seduce Israel. And Balaam thought, no, if this works, God will turn in disgust from Israel. And in the end, the enemies of Israel would get what they wanted. God would curse them. But in the end, that event led to repentance. It actually led to a revival in Israel. But there was more. Under Moses' leadership, the Israelites eventually killed Balaam, and he was brought to judgment in wrath. Well, the third historical example is the example of Korah. He's the man who rebelled against the leadership of Moses. Korah refused to accept that God had appointed Moses, and in the end, God's wrath fell on him, and the earth swallowed him up along with 250 of his followers. Now, in the book of Jude, where Jude often gives three examples in a row, the third of the examples is often the most poignant issue. In terms of Korah, he refuses to accept God's wisdom in appointing Moses. And in the case of the false teachers in Jude's day, the false teachers refused to accept the teaching of the apostles. Jude is saying false teachers contradict the Bible. And they, like Canaan, like Balaam, and like Korah, are already under judgment. Woe to them, they're the walking damned. Now, having made that point, Jude then strings together a series of images designed to help us imagine who these false teachers are. Think of it this way. It may have been that some of the early Christians thought the false teachers were engaging or maybe provocative, and still others thought that they gave you an interesting perspective. So Jude is now trying to get Christians in his day to see the false teachers through a different lens. The first image he gives is that of a hidden reef at your love feast. The word for reef is a word that other translations translate as a blemish. You know, from my vantage point, a hidden reef, I think that's the best translation. Judah's saying these men, if you don't mark them and watch out for them, they will cause you to shipwreck your church's unity as you gather for a love feast. The second image is that of shepherds who don't care for the church but only for themselves. Then the third image, waterless clouds. They keep promising a blessing but deliver nothing. The fourth image, fruitless trees. Twice dead means that they have first died and now they're chopped down. Dead twice. They're no good. Why would you admire teachers like that? Hey, we wanted you to know that there's still time to order our beautiful limited edition Back to the Bible Canada 2021 Growing in Faith Scripture Calendar. It provides you with words of encouragement, beautiful pictures of creation, and a uniquely designed Bible reading plan by Dr. Newfeld, encouraging all of us to open up our Bibles. Use your calendar as a daily reminder to practice the discipline of reading God's Word. This resource is filled with encouragement and it's yours for free. There are limited quantities of this free calendar, so reach out today to ensure you get your copy of our 2021 Growing in Faith Scripture Calendar. To request your copy today and perhaps give a financial gift to support the ministries of Back to the Bible Canada, call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. has been trying to change the perception that gullible people had of the false teachers that were deceiving the church. And so in order to accomplish that, he's given a series of images 
to help his listeners understand who these teachers actually are. The fifth image is that of wild waves splashing up shame. I mean, anyone who has ever been in a storm at sea knows that the waves splash on everyone. Get close to these false teachers, says Jude, and their filth will splash on you. And then finally, the image of wandering stars. Well, that's an image that modern readers need some help with. You know, in the ancient world, a wandering star was probably not a star at all, but it was probably a planet whose position in the heavens changed. And so a wandering star was of no help to a navigating ship. And says Jude, these men can't get you home to your eternal reward. They are wandering stars. Follow them and you might end up on a reef somewhere or lost at sea and and you'll never find your way home. See, these men aren't intriguing. They're the walking damned who, if you follow them, will leave you covered in shame and lost at sea. So let's read verses 14 and 15. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. You know, Jude now quotes from what is to us an unfamiliar book. It's the book of First Enoch. Jude is not saying that First Enoch is an inspired book, and, and yet he quotes from it because God has shown Jude that this section of First Enoch is true. I've said it before that biblical writers can quote from non-biblical writings, even as a modern-day preacher might quote from, let's say, C.S. Lewis, even without ever insinuating that, you know, that Lewis was inspired. Well, true, but what is this book, First Enoch? Well, before I answer that, let's remember that in Genesis 5, we're told that Enoch, who was the seventh name on the genealogical list from Adam, this Enoch was an exceptionally godly man. After living 365 years, Genesis 5, verse 24 says, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. And that's to say, Enoch was one of only two men in all of history who did not die. The other, of course, was Elijah. God sent a chariot to the earth to carry him into heaven. Now, the two books of Enoch are not written by Enoch, but they contain a number of sayings that apparently came directly from this very same Enoch. And according to Jude, who is inspired of the Spirit, first Enoch is right when it records Enoch's prophecy of the coming day of judgment. That's fascinating. Long before the words of Jesus, indeed, long before the flood of Noah, Godly men already knew of the great and final judgment. Enoch knew way back when the human race was still young on the earth that a great day of judgment was coming. Of course, Enoch would not have known the details, how Christ would die on a cross, how how forgiveness would be offered, and how Christ himself will separate the sheep from the goats on the final day. But, But Enoch knew that God would judge both the actions and the words that men speak. And that includes the words of the false teachers. I want you to look closely at verse 15. Four times Jude uses the word all. Judgment on all, he says. To convict all the ungodly, he says. And then third, of all their deeds. And then finally, of all things they have spoken. The point is that the judgment to come is all-encompassing. No one's going to escape. Everyone's included. No convict will receive a pass. No action will be overlooked. No word will be left unrecorded. Ungodliness, and by the way, 
Jude also uses the word ungodly four times, but ungodliness is never overlooked. It's never a minor matter. It's it's a very big deal. That's what Jude says about false teaching. When men and women, for that matter, begin to teach the church things that, that are not in keeping with the teaching of the apostles, God's people should know that this is a large part of what the final judgment is all about. From Enoch to the present, we have known that this final judgment is not going to be avoided. But then, having made the point that judgment is coming to the false teachers, Jude returns to further describe who these men are. Remember, he's presented us with a series of images, but now he moves from the image to a very forthright description. So I'm reading verse 16. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. When he says the false teachers are grumblers, he's saying that they are men who are just like Korah. Korah grumbled against Moses, and these men, well, they grumble against the apostles. That is to say, they, like Korah, say, why is it that the apostles are to be heard and we're not? It's not right. Why should they have all the authority and our teaching is being discounted? And by the way, if you don't know it, this is how the authority of the church is given. The apostles come first. They were appointed by our Lord, and they do have authority over the church. The prophets like Luke, Mark, James, Jude, they come second under the authority of the apostles, and the teachers, well, they come third. That is to say, the only authority that a teacher has in Christ's church is to the extent that he carefully explains the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. Let me put it another way. No teacher has any authority except the authority to accurately explain the New Testament. That's the only authority they have. But a lot of teachers don't like that. They think they also have something to say, and so they grumble. And Jude is not finished. Not only do they grumble against this restriction, that they have no authority on their own, but then Jude adds, they're also loudmouth boasters. Any teacher in the church who does not restrict himself to teaching Scripture is a loudmouth boaster. They're not spiritual teachers sharing visions that God has given them. They're not spiritual at all. Instead, they're following their sinful desires. They're men who refuse to come under the authority that God himself has imposed on the church. And listen, this is still true today. Whether it's liberal teachers who say that the Bible has errors and they can correct them for us, or the super spiritual teacher who says from the pulpit, well, God showed me something. Listen, that's not spiritual. It's the indulgence of the flesh. It prefers one's own opinions over the objective truths that are once for all given in the Bible. But all of this is leading Jude to a conclusion. So let's go to verses 17 and 19. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. That is to say, even while the final judgment has been long predicted, you must also remember that before that day arrives, scoffers, false teachers will also arrive. It's been anticipated. You know, when Paul met with the Ephesian elders just before going to Jerusalem, he told them that from their own midst, that is, from among their own number, false prophets would arise. What a dreadful thought. You've got to imagine the friendship and sense of camaraderie among the elders, and now, because of this, divisions. 
Jude says the apostles didn't just warn that this was a possibility. They said it was a reality. And why does it happen? It happens because, Jude says, they are always men who are devoid of the Spirit. That is to say, the others didn't know it, but these men were never among the chosen. They crept in unnoticed. It was assumed these men knew Christ, but they were actually people who followed not the one true faith, but men who followed their own ungodly passions. I've often wondered about such people. Did they hang around Christian people who had experienced Christ and simply assumed that they had experienced what the others had? Or were they individuals who were evil from the start, wanting to destroy God's people from the very beginning? I mean, which one is it? Well, Jude never says. But he wants us to know that the greatest problem for the church is not the ungodly people in the world. It's not the universities that might persecute believers. It's not even the presence of ungodly people in the pews, although it is a problem. The greatest problem the church faces today and has always faced is ungodly people in the pulpit. Woe to those people, says Jude, woe indeed, for they are among the walking condemned. Thanks, John. That's quite an indictment upon false teachers given by Jude. I'm wondering, though, what is the responsibility of those people under their teaching for identifying those teachings or, or even uh, taking those people to account? Yeah, I think there are probably two things here. And first is for the fellow leaders who are faithful. I mean, I think they are called upon to take them on. Even though it causes disruption in the church, it has to be done for, for the souls of men and women are at stake. And then on the other hand, for people who, you know, just, you know, rank and file, who fill up the pews, who, you know, who come to be taught and, you know, come to church for fellowship, I think that the health of the church is dependent upon every man and woman being a Bible reader and a Bible studier. I mean, we ought to become so familiar with the words of Scripture so that when something sounds false to us, we can identify it. But where people are biblically illiterate, I'm going to argue false teachers do have their way. And Ben, that's one of the reasons why this is such a problem in our day. Uh, Biblical illiteracy is reaching, you know, as zenith proportions, and false teachers have their way because of that phenomenon. Thanks so much, John. And remember to join us tomorrow as Dr. Neufeld completes his series on the book of Jude right here on Back to the Bible Canada, where we teach the Bible. Did you know that Back to the Bible Canada has a weekly video Bible teaching series? All videos, both archived and current, are easily accessible on the Back to the Bible Canada YouTube channel or online at backtothebible.ca. The videos offer the excellence of Bible teaching you've come to expect from Dr. John Neufeld, providing insight into God's Word, God's character, and the life He has called us to live. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to our Back to the Bible Canada YouTube channel. There you can also access past video series and programs, including our recent virtual worship event, The Gathering, 45 wonderful minutes of worship, Bible teaching, laughter, and encouragement. For more information or to support the ministry of Back to the Bible Canada, would you call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca.